A Focus Summary of Chapters 3 and 4 of Shane Bob watches with excitement as Joe and Shane make their silent and steady attack on the stump. In the midst of their efforts, Marion appears, fresh and pretty in a hat she had modified to fit the fashionable style described to her by Shane. The men, consumed by their efforts, give her no attention, so she asks for it. Joe's affectionate dismissal that she is the best thing that ever happened to him, hat or no hat, but that right now he's busy, makes her flush a deep pink and stomp away mad. As she goes, she tells them they will have to take a break from their resting and do work, because dinner is on the table. At dinner, the men seem untroubled by Marion's forced politeness, because their minds are on that stump, and as soon as they are done eating, they head out to get at it again. Marion's anger fades fast, and she asks Bob what got into those two. From his child's perspective, he tries to explain the Ledyard incident. Bob says he was frightened, not of Shane, but of what might happen, and Marion understands. She murmurs to herself that she hopes Joe knows what he is doing. All through the afternoon, wherever Bob goes, he can hear the sound of chopping in the distance. At one point, he finds Marion watching the men through a window in the barn. She calls their battle with the stump splendid. She goes back to the house and whips up a plate of her special biscuits, which she brings out and sets on the stump. Joe divides the pile in two, and when one is left on the plate, he splits it down the middle with his axe and puts half on each of their piles. Inside, Marion starts to work on the apple pie she had told Shane about. When Bob notices a change in the sound of the chopping, he goes to investigate. The stump has been cut loose from its roots, but when the men try to lift it, all their effort only moves it a foot and a half off the ground. They discover that it's held by a taproot. The only way they can remove the stump is if Joe holds it up while Shane chops at the taproot, placing his body underneath it and at risk of being crushed if it drops. One wordless glance of assurance between them, and they set to work doing just that. Bob runs to the house as fast as he can to tell Marion that at last they are getting it out. The two men heave at the stump, using all their remaining strength to topple it. Marion asks why they don't use good sense and hitch up the horses to pull it out, but Joe insists that they, by themselves, will finish the job they started. They do it, and Bob is awed as he watches these two men standing over the defeated stump and looking into each other's eyes. Joe declares himself thoroughly rested, and Shane says he's ready for that pie. Marion realizes that in all the excitement she forgot about the pie and burned it. They all go inside to supper, and while the men and Bob sit down to eat, Marion clatters about the kitchen, scrubbing the tin, peeling apples, and starting that pie all over again. When Joe makes a move to help her, she barks at him not to touch those apples. When the new pie is finished, she cuts it in four pieces, gives one to each of them, and finally sits down at the table. Joe hesitantly takes his first bite, and Shane follows. Then Shane says, That's the best bit of stump I've ever tasted.
and they all break into fits of laughter. The next morning, when Bob wakes up, he reflects on the events of the previous day and how things which seemed trivial on the surface had become so important. Realizing how late it is, he leaps out of bed and runs into the kitchen, afraid Shane might have left without saying goodbye. Shane is there, and it feels almost as if he were part of the family. When Shane gets up to go, Joe stops him. First, he asks if Shane is running away from anything, and Shane says he isn't, at least not in the sense Joe means. With that concern out of the way, Joe asks him to stay on and work for him. He has big plans for the property, and his last hand was run out by Fletcher. Though Shane says he never figured to be a farmer, he agrees. Shane heads to town for some work clothes, and while he is gone, Marion expresses her concern that he doesn't know anything about this kind of work. Joe assures her that it isn't what a man knows that counts, but what he is. Shane quickly shows just how capable he is, but Bob notices that he often stops, gazes at the mountains, and then looks down at his hands in amusement at the work he is doing. Bob has the sense that he doesn't feel above the work. He was simply, quote, shaped in some firm forging of past circumstance for other things, unquote. One day, musing over the difference between Shane's concentrated energy and Joe's size and strength, Bob asks Joe if he could beat Shane in a fight. Joe says he might, but he'd hate to try. Bob is puzzled when Shane takes his place at the table in what is usually Joe's chair. But over time, he realizes that Shane always sits with his back to a wall and his eye on the door. It is simply part of his fixed and instinctual alertness. Because Joe is the unspoken leader in the community, everyone takes an interest in Shane. They know not to take Ledyard's account at his word, but they also don't know what to make of Shane. Bob overhears someone at Grafton's store call him a slow-burning fuse that sets off trouble when it touches powder. What puzzles Bob most of all is why Shane never carries a gun, since men at that time didn't feel fully dressed without one, and, since he had one, wrapped in that saddle roll. And it was not just any gun. It was a beautifully polished and oiled colt of blue-black metal with ivory plates, the hammer filed to a point, and the front sight gone. Bob asks Joe if he hides it because he doesn't know how to use it, and Joe says he could probably shoot the buttons off his shirt. He tells Bob seriously not to question Shane about it. He is entitled to his privacy. As Bob wanders off, Joe warns him not to go liking Shane too much. He says that one day he'll be moving on, but Bob knows that's not what he really meant.